guys, welcome to episode 6 of the Slow Spin Society podcast. I am Fabian and today I will be co-hosting, as always, with Paul. Today's topic is a very interesting and, again, broad and dense topic. We will be discussing Japanese Karen and NJS and the entire culture around this cycling race and how it evolved and how it is today. Hello guys, I am Paul, your other co-host. And if you want to know a little bit more about movies and documentaries we recently saw, or Fabian's recent interest for chess, or even how bad I am at making coffee, and maybe a little bit more infos about my secret new build, you should head to our Patreon page where pledging at any level will give you the extended version of the show with the pre-show and the after show, which is around 40 minutes of content per week. But a little bit more about that later. So, Karen, as Fabian said, a really, really big subject. There is a lot to talk about. I'm going to make like a really basic definition of what Karen is. So, Karen is Japanese bike track racing. It's on a 2000 meters race. Up to six to nine racers, uh, depends on the race. And it's a race that starts with a pacer. So you do three laps and the pacer goes from 30 to 50 kilometers an hour. And then they ring a bell and then they have 2000 meters to arrive first. There is actually a lot to talk about on how a race goes on. You actually have two judges at every corner. So four corners, right, of the course. And at the end of the race, they will raise like a white or a red flag to see if they haven't seen like too much contact because it is like a really harsh and brutal sport. Like crash are part of the game, really. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Where do we start, Fabian? I'll be talking about Karen and how it developed since 1948 when the government in Japan legalized it for gambling purposes. In Karen, the racers each wear colorful jerseys and armor to be easy, easily recognizable to the people betting on them. Nowadays, betting on Karen races is a huge business with earning up to 17 billion US dollars in revenue. Despite this, the velodromes where these races are held are typically empty because the people betting on them prefer watching it from TV. So gambling can start at around 1 US dollar, so 100 yen but can be far bigger than that as well, since the industry is so massive and there are around 3,000 pro athletes participating in these events. And these athletes are separated into different ranks, starting from A3 being the lowest to SS being the highest rank. The SS athletes can earn up to 2 million US dollars themselves. So it's that a is, massive... Yeah. That's money in the bank. Yeah, money in the bank for riding brakeless, right, guys? Something to think about. I know, about. right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something in the future. It's like almost 3,000 pro athletes and there is like Karen races every day. Yeah. And so in Japan, right, there's around 40 different Karen locations. You can bet from the comfort of your house on any of them, really. Uh, and there is like multiple races held every day. Yeah. It moves incredible amounts of money. And of course, the <laughs> the government is taking his nice share on this. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, after the war, it's a huge hit to make money out of thin air, basically, really. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how Japanese government is making money. A little bit, but still, uh, that's, a, that's a big chunk. Yeah. 
And back then, there were fixed gear bikes were like the only things. There was no 11-speed DI2, so that's all they had. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I imagine that the horses were also like mostly dead and everything. It's a pretty smart way. Yeah, the you know, like Karen uh, is one of the four sports you can gamble legally in Japan. There's only four sports. What are the others? Racing, cars, or and it's Karen, uh, motorcycle racing, hmm. horse racing, and motorboats. Motorboats, okay. Yeah, like little small boats that goes racing. It's pretty fun to watch That's too, cool. and super deadly apparently. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So today we're gonna focus ourselves really on the on the Japanese side of the the Karen races. Uh, there is also an Olympic game version. Yeah. So it was intro introduced in uh, in the year two thousand uh, in the Olympic Games of Sydney. There is not that much difference. Uh, the the pacer. Uh, so in Karen races you have a pacer, right? On the Japanese version, it's a guy on a bike like everyone else. On the Olympic version, it's a guy on an electric assisted bike. And more recently, I think like in the Rio games, it was like a full blown electric, almost motorcycle. Like, <laughs> almost, I, I didn't even think it had pedals. Not sure, but yeah. It's like where they sit straight up, like really comfortably, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's so straight on that thing, like really, <laughs> really upright. Like, I'm so proud to be there. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> the guys with the. The guys with the, the legs that could crush his head, they're like sweating just keeping up with him. It's pretty <laughs> funny to see. So to become a pro rider, you actually need to go through Kieran school. That is, let's be honest, the equivalent of hell on earth. <laughs> there, there is a, a really good movie that I don't remember the name, but uh, I'll link that in the show notes. So I found the movie, so I thought I'll directly say it here. Uh, it is Riding Uphill by Ken Iguchi. And yeah, it is a really like psychologic movie, but you really want to watch it because it's actually a really, really good movie about how hard here in school is difficult. It's really like military level. Add that the fact that it is in Japan. So it's Japanese military level. Yeah. Even if Japanese don't have officially an army no oh, yeah uh, I'm a, I'm uh, how is it sure. called again the self self-defense force oh self-defense force right it's <laughs> not an army it's a self-defense force <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the, the official karen website right they have a, a typical schedule for the people the students who are at the school and the, their day starts at 6 45 a.m every single day so they wake up at 6 30 and then by 6 45 they have to be ready to go for a jog let me get you into the life of a Karen student and why you don't want to be in it. <laughs> so they wake up at 6.30 and they have like, uh, so 6.45, they get ready and they go for a 15 minute jog. After they have half an hour for breakfast, right? And then you have something that I talked to a lot with my friend and it was kind of fascinating, but also really scary at the same time. So they go on a 14 degrees <laughs> climb, like hill climb, right? On, on face gears with massive gears. And yeah. And so in the movie, you can see like, you know, they, uh, they are strapped to, to the pedals, right? So yeah. you, you are clipped in, but 
you also have straps. So to be able to clip out, you actually need to hold yourself onto like a barrier or something. And then you unstrap and then you unclip. So you can't really do it, do this on the go, right? Yeah. So they go up that hill until they can't anymore because it's just too steep for a fixed gear ratio. And then they just fall on their side. This every morning. Every morning. Multiple times. And fun fact, if you actually end up on top of the hill, you kind of win, right? Yeah. Well, you don't win at all because your coach will just like remove one T out of your cog. So you have a bigger gear ratio and now you need to do it again with a heavier gear ratio. Yes, it's no no rest for them, right? That's nasty. And if you see the, the video of them training and stuff, these are big guys. Like just yeah. for breakfast alone, they eat almost 1,500 calories because they burn it all. They need it, right? They, all of this yeah, energy for the training. But even though they have all of this training, like roller training, hill climbs, race training, whatever, they also have science class where they can learn about why they do what they do and how to do it effectively. Also yeah. for after, after because this is school is for the students and then they will eventually debut as like a, as a, as a track racer. And then they learn about everything there is to that life as well. Yeah. And then, yeah, the, the, the benefit, the outcome of this is that those who reach SS rank, they can earn millions of dollars. Yes. So in science class, Kieran is in Japan is actually like a really, really tactical game. Yeah. There is like ways to block your opponents or to pass them. There is really a lot of tactic. It looks like just some massive dudes going as fast as they can, but there is actually some tactic behind it. So they have like that science class. Uh, it's for like an hour, right? And then they have roller training and you can see videos on this yeah. on YouTube or where it's like everybody is on rollers and they just go on, go on, go on. And, you know, it's like super hard where they have to go like full 100% and then they go 50% and then they go 100% again and then 50% and super, super hard training. And after that, the kind of last class of the day is like they have actual race practice. Yeah. So from four to five and then from 5.30 to seven, they have time to relax, then dinner. And at 10 p.m. it's lights out and again tomorrow. Everything again. Yeah. Everything again. So it's if it sounds hard, believe me, um. It's probably super freaking hard. Yeah. Like Paul said, only 10% of people get accepted into the school and they know what they're getting themselves into. But at the same time, they have no idea how hard everything must be. Like, yeah. they, like they're, they eat around 5,000 calories a day, every day for months on end, just because they burn <laughs> that much every single day. It's insane. That's insane. You can see how buff they are, but yeah. especially during races, like official races, when they have like that under under like the large jersey they have that kind of body armor to protect them from crashes because carrying crash are nasty they're like super violent because on some races on like high level ranks right they end up going like 70 kilometers an hour yeah all up close to each other so yeah and they really cannot afford to be out of the game if they have a 
a large injury. So yeah, like Fabian said before, there's like uh, different ranks. And when you finish schools, right, you start at rank A3 and then uh, A2, A1, S2, S1, and then SS. Uh, there's only, it can only be nine racers with the SS rank. They get a ton, a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> really? Super competitive. Uh, and yeah, and how you go up is by doing championships. And so there are six every year. And there, so there is races every day and you also get rank points that way. But you also get more when you do championships. And yeah, we're going to explain a little bit how those works, right? Yeah. At every championship. Uh, so a championship is three days, right? Yeah. So the races last three days. But... The athletes need to be there three days prior to that, spending a total of six days on site because they actually sleep on site all in the same room. What happened is that at the beginning, they need to ditch out everything, cell phone, tablets, PCs, everything, any communication mean with the outside world. This is to avoid any kind of cheating, like anyone who would like to rig the races. They can't do that because there is so much money involved. Yeah. And so you have like different grades of races for different ranks of races, right? And some of them where people usually get the most chances to kind of level up, I would say. Like some of those grades, they mix like A class and S class. So for example, an A1 can be mixed with some S2s and it's his chance to go from A to S rank, right? Yeah. Those races get a lot of attention. Of course, like the races with like the highest ranks also get a lot of attention. And you also have like a special grade that they call the GP grade. And it's actually not only carrying racers. For example, like all the champions that are retired but still able to race really good or national team members or Olympic team members or actually carrying racers, but... Maybe not SS class, but the one with the biggest, who won the biggest prize money this year. So you have that kind of like special party event, kind of. Yeah. The GP grade. That's more like a like a show show session, like for entertainment, right? Like. Yeah. In in, in like Western terms, that would be like what was it? Mayweather against McGregor, the the boxing match is just yeah. to make money. Is it's not? It's just for fun then as well. I imagine. But also money. Always money. Like yeah. Kieran is real is really a lot about money. Yeah. Then it's really only the Olympic version that's about like um my guy from Germany he got the gold medal or whatever country gold medal. It's all about pride then there. But yeah. Kieran in Japan, just betting. You have like uh in December's you have like three Grand Prix. You have one of the most followed one is the young Grand Prix. So if you know a little bit Japanese sport, you'll know that people love to watch young contest kind of uh, yeah. competition. So for example, when I was in Japan, I had a friend that was really into baseball. And he was looking from time to time like regular baseball match. But he was really diehard fan of like the young uh, contest. Because that's where they see like all the future elites, kind of. Ah, uh, yeah. And so it, it's 
surprising how many people are following this over the actual normal uh, adult thing, right? Yeah, it's like then they can they, if they do enough research, they have a good chance of betting on like a like an underdog who might surprise everyone who doesn't follow them, right? Yeah, probably, probably. I guess the the whole part of like the gambling thing for me, it would get old pretty fast. <laughs> uh, I'm not big of a, a gambler, but I guess for people, it, it it's a good way to to keep them occupied. So do you remember those places in Japan where they have like slot machines ah, and it's so noisy in there? Yeah, the pachinko, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks fun as well because they have all these different versions with the animations and... But yeah, it's gambling at the end as well. Yeah, still gambling. Some people make a living out of this, which is pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty insane. So in December... You also have the Karen Grumpy, which is the one you wanna you wanna look at because it's like the biggest one. That's where like they decide of SS ranks and stuff. And the cash prize for the SS rider that finished number one, top one, is nine hundred thousand dollars. So that's basically yeah. one million dollar for a race. Yeah, just for one event then. Just nuts. Yeah. Every December. Yeah, yeah, every December. When you are an SS rider, even if you lose, I think you get something like 20 grand. Like even if you finish last. So just riding your bike 2,000 meters around, you'll get 20 grand. Yeah. and But that's also then, of course, for the years and years of like the thousands of hours of training as well to reach that rank. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. And the last event of December is you have the Girls Grand Prix. So Japanese Kirin will we'll talk about it after, but you know they only use like uh, still frames and yeah. Girls Grand Prix is a little bit different. But they had Girls Kirin from 1949 to 1964, and they reintroduced it in 2012 because Kirin was going really like downhill. So it was. This said, it was a good mean to attract a younger crowd to Karen. Knowing Japan, also an older crowd that just want to see <laughs> girls riding around. Yeah, yeah, that could be one incentive as well then, of course, right? Unfortunately. The world of girls, Karen, is really, really weird. Like, they have as men, but they have, like, calendars uh, where they are in, like, face suits and stuff. It's a really Japanese thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a Japanese thing, but... They are pro racers, so they have like massive thighs, right? Yeah. Or like really, really muscular upper body. Yes, some people are into that. It's a shame that they have to do that shit just to be in the, just a race. Yeah. But yeah, so on to the next part of Karen racing, of course, is not only the people that race on the bikes, but the bikes and the parts themselves. Because in Karen racing, Paul touched upon it about like the strict regulations and everything with like them not having contact with the outside world during the world championships or like the grand championships i guess is that the parts and the bikes themselves are regulated 100 percent all of it yeah everything using and what people know as an njs stamp so njs stands for again my mispronunciation will fuck it up but nihon jitensha shinkokai right that's the japanese bicycle association that regulates all of the parts used in Karen racing 
every part that is approved will have an NJS stamp. And the main reason for this is that everything is equal. No one will have suddenly a carbon frame that's lighter than some guy's steel frame and then have an upper hand. Everything is the same. Everything's equal. Still for gambling purposes, right? Yeah, of course. So then it's you betting purely on the person, the rider, rather than what money he has for gear. But also everything that is NJS stamped, it's made so that people can, they can easily exchange parts that need to be changed and the tools can be used for all the bikes. All of this, it just makes it like logistical sense then, of course, easier. But yeah, the main reason is, of course, for betting purposes. NGS does not necessarily reflect the quality of the parts. So while they are great quality as well, it does not mean that anything that has an NGS stamp is suddenly better than anything that everything that does not have an NGS stamp. Yeah, the parts that actually are allowed to be NGS stamped, right? Yeah. They have to follow really, really strict rules. In the past, you know, some non-Japanese brands made collaborations with Japanese brands to have like NGS parts. Like there's like old Campagnolo, Pista, NGS cranks. Or I think there is a, there's also NGS seat post that is made between Dura Ace and Easton. Those are pretty rare nowadays. Unfortunately, the NGS stamp it always make for like a, a premium if you want to buy something that is NGS stamped, right? Yeah, definitely. The, the bike itself has to be NGS approved as well. And these are known as NGS bikes and they're sought after by people outside of Japan. Yeah, where do you get them from? You can get them from websites like NGS Export, for example. Yeah, or like Track Supermarket. Yeah. And these are normally, well, pretty much always they're, they're used yeah. and they're like decommissioned by the racers who do not want them anymore because of small dents or lo too much use. Because in the end, they're steel frames, yes. of course, as well. Well, if a frame is dented, it will not be able to race anymore. No. It's like, you know, they have, um, they have tires, right? Yeah. Uh, like NG actual NGS tires. And after every race, they get a stamp on the tire. And at some point, it needs to be changed. Like thin ones, right? Yeah, super, super thin ones. And for you and me, it would be like a perfectly fine tubular tire. <laughs> but for NGS racers, like after like a few races, they have to change it. And if they crash, they also have to change it. So yeah. just imagine if a frame is dented, like, of course, they have to change it. It's, it's really uptight. The fact that everything is so controlled doesn't always mean they have no space for personal preferences. The two main thing I'm thinking about is, uh, well, of course, there's gear ratio, but they can go uh, over a certain gear ratio. But there is like frame preference and wheels preference. So wheels are basically always the same. They are 32 holes, Dura Ace, high flange hubs to Araya gold rims. You have a pair of hubs like this. Oh no, yours are low flange, right? Yeah, low flange. Yeah, the, you know, like everybody know what I am talking about, like those high flange Duraes hubs with the black label on the side, right? Yeah. yeah. And those need to be 32 holes to be NGS approved. And so you also have like the tubular rim, the Araya gold, and they put like Soyo tires or Cashmax tires on, on those Chibuli tires. And those are like, I think the Soyo one, they're like Ichiman yen. So they're like 10,000. Yeah, 10,000 10, yen. Or I'd say like 70, 
seventy dollars or seventy euros. Yeah, that's and then it did have to be changed regularly as well, which is not. Yeah. Yeah, not cheap for the average person, but for them, of course, it's all included. Definitely not. And there's also I、uh, I know that high rank they use like Kashimax tires. So Kashimax, the saddle factory based in Osaka, right? The one with like the five gold saddle and the yeah the the funky the funky saddle sometimes with flowers or different patterns. <laughs>、um, they make also tires. One Chivalry tire is two hundred bucks. Just one. That is a lot of cash money. Holy shit. That is a lot of tire money. So yeah, definitely. But of course, for if they're SS cyclists, that's it's it's worth it. Of course, then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Like if you SS cyclist, two hundred bucks for a tire is small change, right? Yeah, yeah, two hundred for tires. If you get twenty thousand for losing, even last place, it doesn't really make a difference that much. Then. Yeah. But yeah, for the average person, they're not going to need two hundred dollar tires. And also for the average person, like I said, you can get these used NGS bikes, which are normally pretty small sizes because they're made for the specific measurements of each cyclist, who are generally in Japan fairly like shorter than yeah European people in Europe yeah yeah. And even though these might have small dents, these small dents can mean a lot to someone to an SS cyclist pushing thousand five hundred watts, of course, <laughs> but to the average fixie. To the average fixie Fred doing wheelies, it doesn't make a difference. So it's, it's it's it might be, it's an option still for average use then for people. Yeah, it's it's really it's okay to get a dented NGS frame, I guess. It's yeah, not, the steel ones. Yeah,、least. it's not that big of a deal.、Uh, if it's a small dent, if it's like a super harsh dent that is like half of the tube, then maybe <laughs>、no. not. But you、yeah. know what? There's actually a bike outside my place that is parked there every day. Yeah. And I think someone tried to stole it recently, and the top tube. I am not kidding you. The top tube is making like so. It starts straight, and then it's making an S shape, and then it finishes straight. Oh my god! Like bend it with a pipe、yes. or something, right? To break the lock. To break the lock. That's so fucked up. The guy still rides it around. Oh my god! Balls of steel. <laughs> it's a it's a steel frame. No problem. <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> That's like the dumbest thing to do when someone has like a good U lock around the top tube. Then I mean, often it works, right? Yeah. That they bend the thing and then they can take the frame home and take the tires and everything.、Yeah. But chances are, it will just destroy everything. Just stupid. But so yeah, and the one benefit of like using NGS Export or Track Supermarket for buying these NGS frames is that because it's such a big industry nowadays, still there's always going to be more and more bikes available. So if there's one that you wanted and it's gone now, there is likely to be another one in the future that will pop up one day again. Yeah,、it's、never ending. And be- because they always have to follow the same same standards, right?、Um, yeah. The like it's always almost the same. Oh, and coming back on like personal preferences,、uh, I was I was talking about the wheels, right? Yeah. So the wheels. Some riders will ask if they want it. Softer or harder, right? Because some racers, they like to make other racers believe that they're gonna overpass or they're gonna slow down, or you know. Yeah. And so, if you have like two common people like you and me, it doesn't make any difference. But for pro racers like them, if you have like a softer or a stiffer wheel, it will make all the difference because you can 
you can have that springy effect. Yeah. And it's the same thing for frames. Some racers will ask on purpose for softer tubing or stiffer tubing. So it's pretty rare to have NGS frame made out of Reynolds or Columbus tubing. Most of them are made out of uh, Casse tubing. As we told before, it's the same regulation for everyone. So even if they all look the same, the technique for making them is never the same. So I think there's still around 40 frame builders, custom frame builders that, is, that are NGS approved yeah. in Japan, which is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of choice then. So like, even if they all look the same, they're actually all really different because every frame builder has a different technique, right? Definitely. Yeah. If you were to get one NGS frame for yourself, like what, what do you think? Why do people want a used bike in the end? Like what's the purpose of that? So like one big aspect, of course, the same as with other used bikes is the frame history. So even though there's a dent or there's scratches, it's still a cool thing to have knowing that some guy in Japan was racing on it at crazy speeds and now you have it. So like, of course, it's unique then. It's nice to have. And they're in the end, they're good quality, even if they have small dents or scratches. Yeah, I think also the fact that it's just exotic, you know? Yeah. The fact that it's exotic and it's kind of the pinnacle of steel frame building in the way that it is supposed to withstand the force of a guy literally looking like a horse on it for <laughs> months and months on, right? And multiple races. But also it is like the thinnest tubing, really. It's like super light. Yeah. The paint job on most most of the engine's frames, they're always like so sparkles, nice. right? Gold sparkle or... Yeah. Yeah, they're great looking bikes. Yeah, if you're... Asking why NGS like still have like those kind of paints, like super eye-catching stuff. It is still for gambling. Some people will gamble on the most beautiful bike. There is like many, many frame builders. Do you have a favorite? No, I never really researched NGS frames, to be honest, just because when I did, I always looked on the site and I saw some nice ones, but then they were always like size 50 or 42, uh, 48 or 52 or something. So I was like, ah, I'm not going to go into it. I think the most common is like 53. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably easier to find a, an anxious bike for your girlfriend than it is for yourself. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> probably. But yeah, they, they all look good. And I don't really have, have like a like a direct preference. But yeah, they all look pretty good. Yeah. If you guys have a NGS bike that you want to share or uh, an NGS story, I guess, just uh, send us an email or talk to us on Discord. Uh, I'll be interested to know what's happening out there. Yeah, I think it's nice to see, like, an, seeing NJS bike is different than just like, even though it's nice, like a like a Candale track or whatever. It's just a different type of really cool used bike. Yeah, exactly. And on that kind of website, you can also find like carbon bikes. So, for example, a website like NJS Exports, right? You can find like anchors or bridge stones made of out of carbon, but they are actually not. NGS approved so those are like training bikes for the one that wants or really have the luxury to be able to buy like such a such a frame new of course um but it's more of a novelty thing really and that one time I was in a shop and I see like those really expensive look the old carbon ones and it was all white with a big red dot on it 
And I thought, oh, that's a, that's a beautiful bike. <laughs> and it was actually one of the bike of the Japanese Olympic team. Damn. Uh, just for like settings and stuff. It was in the shop. And guess what wheels he was running? No idea. Some expensive wheels, I'm sure. <laughs> no, at all. They were Mavic Ellipse. Really? Yeah. Damn. Literally the highest guy, the highest dude are training on Mavic Ellipse. Kind of, kind of shocked. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it works, it works, right? Yeah, it works. Uh, the the other way uh, for you to have a, a carbon Japanese made frame that might be NGS though is by looking into and you're only going to get small sizes for those but uh, women are allowed to use carbon frames on Kirin races there is only like a handful makers for those carbon NGS approved yeah. frames like there is Kalavinka, uh, Ganwell. Ganwell, that is also a vicinity official dealership in Japan. It's pretty funny, yeah. I guess. Uh, a brand that I don't know, it's called Boma and uh, Anchor, of course. Yeah. And they don't use normal wheels, too. Like, they have, like, a, a head three-spoke on the front, <laughs> which, is, which is funny because... The, the heads are also uh, color-coded to what they are wearing <laughs> that race. So if they're wearing green, right, they have like a green head, three spokes on the front. Really color-coordinated. Yes. And they have a rear mesh supertype disc. What the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, really? Mesh? That brand? It's so strange how different uh, the women's Karen is compared to the men's. Yeah. Like in all aspects almost. But I mean, like, there is so much better disc wheels than the Mish. Why? Yeah, I don't know. If there is too much wind, they will actually use the same wheels as men. So it makes for, like, really aero carbon frames on really, really tiny rims, like super, super thin <laughs> and tubular tires. Yeah. So it makes for a pretty funny look. Because as, as far as I'm... Are all of the... The velodromes for carrying races outside in Japan. Yes, uh, they're all outside. Mm. There is some indoor training stuff, but those are more for like national team, not carrying, but track racing. If you if you go to the one to Izu, uh, a few hours train ride from Tokyo, they have a room, an entire room, completely full with Araya carbon disc broken ones. And it goes up to the ceiling. <laughs> crazy. Like, really, really. I couldn't get a picture, but this is, like, one of the craziest shit I ever saw. It's like, just imagine, like, disc wheels piled up, up to the ceiling. If only they could melt them down and make them again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not how carbon works, unfortunately. <laughs> that's crazy, though. Yeah, the the velodrome that I wanted to visit when I was in Japan was is the, the Kawasaki one. That's the one close to Jap the Tokyo, right? Yes. But, you can even bike there. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't go in the end. Uh, it seems really cool to be there, even though it's... Because I saw there's also, like, food stands and everything, and even though the velodromes are generally empty, it seems, like, cool to, to see it at least once in person. Yeah, and twice a year, 
uh, they have an event where in the in the middle, you know, it's like a, a little grass field. They invite food stands and uh, Tokyo shops, and everybody puts stands in the middle, and you can ride the velodrome. That's nice. And there is uh, official pro also Kirin racers and uh, students that'll come, and you can race them, and it's so cool. <laughs> See how slow you are compared to them. Yeah, and you you feel like. Holy shit, I am weak. <laughs> it's cool that they do that as well. I think it also gets more people in just interested and they can maybe find like the golden the golden racer. Yeah, it, it was really funny to show them so surprised when Tokyo people, basically street racers, arrived. And they saw us with our like massive white bars. <laughs> and I guess they'd never seen that before. And they're like, what like why <laughs> <laughs> like disrespecting their entire entire fixed gear culture <laughs> yeah and i remember like you had to so if you cycled there if you arrive with your bike you needed to arrive with two brakes of course you take them out uh when you enter yeah but you need to pass the door with your two brakes or you cannot enter at all it's like the same as like blue log in the previous episode i think where just to make sure that you are like yeah doing everything legally or something one thing i wanted to talk a little bit about uh in this episode is so you know the frame builder samson right uh i think yeah, i've seen some stuff yeah that guy lost his ngs stamp uh in 2018 i believe so he was one of the leader really like best frame builder out there and something i think it was the chain stays that was not okay but he still was making frame was like tubing that to an untrained eye will look like completely standard but for people that would check every measurements on every frame before every race it was not okay right it's kind of a shame yeah it is and so he was like yeah no problem then i'll just make all the frames then and now he has like orders from all over the world <laughs> he's making like disc road bikes gravel bikes custom track bikes and everything is like crazy like <laughs> made to order super nice japanese engineering but applied to any kind of bikes you want if you're ready to put the money Just, yeah probably makes more money doing that now than just the track bikes for njs probably and that would never be allowed on on the Kirin track unfortunately unfortunately no, because NGS regulation is so tough, right? It is so yeah. strict. So no innovation in that field, but at the same time, they don't need, they don't want to need that. Yes. So onto NGS part, the fact that there's, there isn't really place for innovation. It, it means like if you buy an NGS frame today, chances are it'll, it's fully compatible with every NGS parts you already have or you plan to buy, right? Yeah, makes things easy. I know that the the rear spacing for old NGS frame was 110 rather than 120. <laughs> so if you okay. decide to buy one, just be careful with that. If it's 110, well, it's still tubing, so just stretch it. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh i did that with my machino and it was completely okay 
So NGS Sports, let's talk a little bit about those. Yeah, so what I I personally have the the only NGS stamp thing I have are my Dura Ace hubs, but they can NGS stamp can apply to almost anything, right? Stem, seat post, cranks, chain rings, bond brackets, anything, anything you can think of. Almost they can have an NGS stamp, and they come with the extra price for having that stamp, yeah. of course, because these things are mostly made in Japan. What is the most hype NGS parts? You think probably cranks, I would say. Yeah, like Sweden seventy fives. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, th- I think Sweden seventy fives are bought anyway, but it's just like a bonus if it has the NGS stamp, right? Yeah, I've never seen. I don't know if you can have them in black with the NGS stamp though. No, they're all silver in. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know because I've never seen a black Sweden seventy five on the track on a Kirin race. I've never, I've never looked that closely, to be honest. <laughs> but I believe you. <laughs> There's also chains, of course, and I think the chain is like the 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 one you don't NGS like stamp is the the most useless on for paying extra for the normal person. Like a ten euro KMC chain will do the same thing as like a fifty or forty euro HKK vertex. But now I see now now I think about it more. Most of the NGS stuff is just yeah, it's just hype in the end for the average person. Like you're not gonna benefit from having a a a, a, a component with a the stamp than taking something without a stamp. You know, most people aren't gonna notice the difference. But there is like that aura around NGS bikes and NGS parts, right? Yeah, stands out than than having like a more mass-produced piece. Yeah, of you have that little S cubic logo that looks pretty cool. <laughs> are there any NGS producers who are not Japanese? Like for frame builders or anything? Well, not anymore. Because yeah, in the past it was with like Campagnolo or or Easton, right? But nowadays it's just exclusively Japan Japanese. Uh, I would not say exclusively, but I'd say like mostly Japanese right now. I mean, if you want something that will be NGS stem, so for the wheels, uh, for example, we talked about it. It will be Dre's Ubs and Araya rims, both made in Japan. Mm-hmm. Probably a Nito stem, handlebar, and seat post. A Kashimax saddle. What else? Soyo or Kashimax tires. A Vertex chain. A Sugino bottom bracket. A Hata Swan headset. Yeah, that's that's all Japanese makers. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very difficult, I think, industry to break into if you're not Japanese, just because of Japan being Japan, but then also NGS being super strict. And I think like. You have to pay taxes if you want to be an NGS maker. Love it, I guess. In the end, then for it's like the the pride of being accepted into the NGS thing, even though there is not that much of a money incentive. Then probably, unfortunately, I mean that yeah. it that would make sense why Campagnolo and, for example, Easton are not involved into NGS anymore. There mm. is a there is a reason for it. Yeah, like being NGS certified doesn't mean anything outside of Japan. Yeah. Like in the in the big picture, no one really cares, other than like yeah, some people in the fixier community, I guess. Yeah, it it was always interesting for me to see people that when they get an NGS frame, they want like full NGS parts on it, <laughs> so like really really narrow drops because those drops are like. 
38 wide, right? Super fucking narrow. Yeah. And NGS stamp on every possible part. Why would you do this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, why not? But you don't have to put everything NGS if you have an NGS frame, right? You're, it's, it's your shit. You're free to do whatever you want. Yeah, some people just kind of feel the need to keep things like pure or something, you know? Yeah. But I don't think it's... The only person that would care that much is the person who who wants whose bike it is, right? No one else is going to like look twice at it and say, oh, you're putting American parts or European parts on NJS frame. Yeah, it's like people that make all Italian bike and it has to be all <laughs> Campagnolo or it will never work, you know? That's, yeah. So making their life more difficult just for that. All right, this is pretty much all we have time for today. Uh, NGS and Karen in general is a really dense subject. Yeah. So almost everything we talked about can be found in the show notes. Uh, where can you find us? You can email the show if you have any questions at slowspinpodcast at gmail.com. I am on Instagram at underscore poll underscore you. You can, of course, find everything on the blog, www slowspinsociety.com and you can also join our discord server where fabian and i are usually there all day and answering your question just having fun the music for the show is lovely swindler by maria and the illustration is at juliet joe on instagram the best way to support us is by sharing the show and give us a good review on the platform of your choice we can also pock a friend in the arm and say hey I like face gear, you like face gear too. You should probably listen to those two guys trying to talk about for an hour about Kirin and NGS stuff. If you want to have access to the extended cut of the podcast, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash slowspinsocietypodcast and pledging at any level will grant you access to pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per episode. And yeah, that's about it. So we'll see you guys next week for our guest episode. And we are super excited about this one. Yes, yeah, see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.